This is the Tallahassee Business Podcast. Over the next few weeks, our mission is to bring you interviews with key leaders and community members with information you can use while we work together to navigate the impacts of the COVID-19 coronavirus. The Tallahassee Business Podcast is presented by the 223 Agency, a digital relations firm. Hey there, Tallahassee. Jay Revel here. Welcome to another edition of the Tallahassee Business Podcast. We are just delighted to be with you again uh, through these you know, trying and difficult times uh, in our nation. But uh, we continue to bring you each week uh, another example of outstanding people in our community who are working to make Tallahassee a better place uh, to live, to thrive, to do business. Uh, and really just uh, uh, showcasing all the folks that make Tallahassee such a wonderful community. Um, and, you know, there are always times where we need uh, an extra helping hand uh, here in our community and every community in our country. And one of those organizations um, that always is on the forefront of helping others is the American Red Cross. And here in Tallahassee, we have a wonderful good friend of mine, a fellow Leadership Tallahassee Class 32 graduate. Um, joining us today, uh, Sharon Tyler is the Executive Director for uh, the Capital Area uh, Red Cross. And Sharon is just one of those great personalities in our community uh, who's caring, who's committed, uh, and who is always there when her community needs her. And right now there's plenty to talk about. Obviously we're, we're still in the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, but hurricane season is also now upon us. And as Floridians, we all know just how serious that is. And so I'm just delighted to have Sharon on the show with us today uh, to talk about a range of those things and, again, highlight some of the work that she and her team are doing at the Red Cross. So, Sharon, welcome to the Tallahassee Business Podcast. Thanks again for being with us. Well, thank you, Jay. It's a pleasure to be here. Sharon, uh, I always like to start these conversations with our guests with just a little bit of background. Maybe could you tell everybody um, your Tallahassee story and, and, and how it is you came to be the uh, executive director here at the Capital Area uh, Red Cross? Absolutely. So born and raised in Tallahassee. I graduated from North Florida Christian back in many moons ago and went to Baylor, which is way far away. And it took me 39 years to get back home but I finally got back home. Um, I started with Red Cross actually though, when I was living in Texas and it was during um, 2004 when with all the, the alphabet hurricanes started hitting Florida. And um, it was a real challenge for me because my whole family's still in Tallahassee. And so uh, I would watch the TV and make the phone calls, watch the TV and make the phone calls. And finally I'm like, I've got to do something. So I saw a little advertisement in the paper, um, Texarkana, Gazette saying, would you like to help with the hurricanes in Florida? And I'm like, absolutely. So I signed up as a volunteer and um, it was a game changer for me. Um, I had been a somewhat of a professional volunteer um, in many capacities in um, my life at the time. But, but this was one of the, the volunteer opportunities that I had that absolutely um, changed my life because it once you put on the vest, it, does, it doesn't matter who you are or what your background is or where you come from. All that matters is what, what kind of heart you've got and what you're willing to do right then. So I was deployed to Florida, um, met some of the most incredible people in the world um, with the volunteers, people from all over the country. And so um, 
again, it, it just, it really shaped my future. And so I volunteered for about four or five more years, um, moved and then had the opportunity to work in disaster um, as a paid staff for a year. And then um, through some transformations with the chapters that I was in in Texas, they asked me if I'd consider um, being an interim executive director for a couple of chapters. And so I said, yes, I would love to do that. That morphed into a, um, a full-time job for both chapters. And then my life changed and um, God played a pivotal part in bringing me back home. And I actually, within two weeks of deciding to come home, the, this job here at the Capillary chapter opened up. And so I feel like it was, it was ordained, you know, for, for me to come home and be able to do what I love. And, and I think it's a, a unique blessing to be able to, um, to live out your passion and, you know, for that to be your career. And so truly blessed to be back home. Um, I hate to feel like I brought hurricanes with me, but you know, I got back here about six and a half years ago and, and we had a year of a lull and then Hermine hit and um, it's been kind of active and crazy ever since then. Well, probably better to look at it as uh, you got brought back here for a reason. There uh, you go. Uh, I like that better. That's it. Yeah. That, that's a better narrative. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's, it is a great story. You know, it, anytime you, you think about you know, those reasons that, bring people back to Tallahassee um, and, and certainly the work you do makes a difference and you, no kidding it has been uh, after a pretty quiet you know maybe a couple of decades here it, it, it kind of came back with a vengeance uh, these past few years and hopefully it will uh, subside on us again but everybody's got to be prepared and you know obviously the Red Cross has a lot of things that uh, that you all do can can maybe you give us the uh, the full portfolio of what that work looks like? I can if you've got a couple of hours. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. We got no, we, um, at least 15 minutes. You know? There you go. We, um, I think we do a lot more than people realize. People think of the Red Cross and um, some people think of health and safety and, and that first lifeguard or that first swim lesson class that they took. Um, and that's all good. I actually got my little card from Wade We Hunt Pool. Um, back in 1968 for my first swim class. And so um, we, we cover the gamut of um, life-saving classes like that through our health and services and our training services. Um, other people think of Red Cross and they think of blood. We, we provide 40% of the nation's blood, and um, which is, is always critical. I think we're at a place in our, in our country right now where it's even more critical because of the COVID-19. Um, we're doing the, the um, the plasma, the COVID plasma, um, convalescent plasma. There you go. Um, we're doing that. Um, we're doing antibody testing throughout the country. And so, you know, things that, that are really critical right now. Um, we're actually holding our first blood drive for many, many years um, here in the capital area chapter on June 24th. And we encourage people to sign up and come give. Um, we're not only doing that for our standpoint, we're partnering with One Blood on um, July 1st for a, a to support one of their blood drives because um, it's just like in any any disaster we all partner together it doesn't matter what what side of the fence you're on um, one of the the stories i love to tell we've got a big fundraiser it's canteens and camo and for the last three four five years our presenting sponsors have been competitors it's it's um craft nissan and legacy toyota 
and they're, they're as, both as competitive as they can be, but when it comes to our community and Red Cross, they come together to support us. So I, I love that the, the community is willing to, you know, to take off the gloves and, and hold hands and really support each other when, when crises arise or just when there's a need. So that kind of morphs into disaster work because um, we are known for our, our big disaster work. And unfortunately, in the last, like we said, uh, four or five years, that's been more prevalent here in the Big Bend area with the start of Hermine. And it just kind of has, has rolled year after year into to Hermine and then the Irmas and the Michaels. And last year, you know, we kind of got spared with Dorian for some, for at least our local area. But um, this year is supposed to be a higher than average risk. We've already had three named storms today. Cristobal was named. And so um, that that's kind of ominous that, that we're already there with it. And so we, um, the, the COVID-19 puts it a different spin on it. And I'll talk about that, you know, in just a minute, but um, I wanted to finish our services. Um, the thing that got Red Cross started back in the Civil War was um, Clara Barton and our service to armed forces. And, and that's, that's one of our foundation programs. And that's something that no matter what's going on, um, we support our um, armed, armed forces. We've got a volunteer with every troop that's spread out throughout the, the world. Um, there's a Red Cross representative there with them. Every 18 seconds, one of our emergency messages goes out to a commanding troop leader to um, to bring someone home, and they the troop commander cannot release the person until they get the official Red Cross message, and that's because um, even in today's society with all the technology, all the FaceTime, all the the things that you could do until they've received the official word from our volunteers, because our volunteers go to to that hospital, they go to that doctor, they they vet all of the information, and therefore they know that yes, this, this service person really does need to come home and then we help get them home. So that's one of the critical um, things that we do and, and that hasn't changed amongst COVID. Um, what COVID has done for Red Cross though is, is made so much of our services that we provide go virtual um, and work remotely. Um, it's been a huge expense, a huge lift because we've had to get um, our volunteers smartphones, we've had to get them laptops so that they can do their work remotely instead of coming into the chapter. We um, with our disaster service, if there's a single family house fire, or unfortunately here recently, a lot of multifamily house fires, um, we still, we will go on scene, but we follow all the social protocols and make sure our volunteers have got masks. We make sure that um, the clients have got masks. And, and anyway, so um, it's really, it's been a, a, a challenging lift for the sheltering. And um, we've had to totally change the way we shelter and are trying and all, manner to use non-congregate sheltering, which um, looks like um, hotel rooms, it looks like um, dormitories on um, college campuses, it looks like um, campgrounds, we're, do we're doing whatever we can do to, per to not use congregate sheltering. Um, just up in with the Michigan floods, we ended up having to do some congregate sheltering because there was it's such it was in a rural area and they, they didn't have any hotels, they didn't have any other other means. And so we really um, use the social distancing and we have to almost double or triple our number of shelters. Where in the past, if we had one church that we could house, say 150 people in, now we've got to have three churches or three community centers. Um, that's really important for us here in Florida because of hurricane season coming and the evacuation um, situations. If we do have mandatory evacuations, what, you know what that looks like. And so um, 
here in Leon County specifically, whereas in the past, if we had risk shelters open for evacuees, we would have opened five to seven at the most. Now we will probably have to happen to open at least 10 or more, which also requires more volunteers and, and more people to man the shelter. So um, it requires additional spacing, um, additional, obviously the PPE equipment to make sure all the volunteers and staff that are working the shelters have it, but also make sure all the clients have it there. Um, we always take safety protocols as far as like having some isolation places in case there's um, people that come to a shelter sick, um, we will have more isolation um, areas already predetermined um, before anyone comes into any of the shelters. They'll be tested, you know, have all the questions asked, but then they'll have their um, temperature taken. We won't be giving COVID testing at the, at the shelters. Um, and if they are a positive or we think they're having symptoms, then they'll be moved to the, um, to the an isolation area and um, are taken somewhere else, depending on where the time, what that looks like. So um, hurricane season is going to look a lot different. We're really asking people to start right now in June, thinking about your plans, not just doing your kit, have your kit, prepare your kit. You don't need 5,000 rolls of toilet paper, but make sure you've got adequate toilet paper and adequate other supplies. But um, it's really important to think about your evacuation plans because they may look different now. Um, they may, um, where you've evacuated to in the past, it may not be appropriate now. It may be to an elderly family's you know, home to where you don't want to risk taking something in to them. And so it's all those conversations that we really need to be focused on now and, and thinking about them and talking about them, preparing. Um, thinking about, uh, we've got an app that's, it's a free emergency app and it's, it's an amazing thing. It's literally um, help at your fingertips and it's just go to any of your, your app stores and put in Red Cross emergency and it'll pull up the app and the app is all, it's got all of the COVID recommendations and COVID information, but it's got all your disaster information as well. It's going to talk you through what to do before a hurricane, like all your preparedness stuff, your kit, every, all of that. It's going to talk to you about what you need to do during a hurricane or during a tornado or during a wildfire. All the disasters are covered. And it's going to talk to you about what to do after it happens because it, it, so many of the accidents and so many things happen when people um, after the storms passed and they're out working in their yard or they're clearing these trees and they didn't realize this limb was about to fall or they turned back on their gas before they should have, you know, are there electrical lines down that they don't, don't realize that are alive. So there's, there's so many things that people need to think about. So it's literally help at your fingertips. And so I really encourage people to download that free app. You know, one of the things that, you know, you pointed out, you were talking about the, uh, you know, the canteens and camo. It's a great event. I've been to it a couple of times. Uh, and the business support you get uh, for the Red Cross. Uh, you all have got uh, a board uh, that helps support what you do. Um, can you just kind of tell us a bit more about that interaction between the business community, what roles that businesses can play in helping when, um, you know, when disasters strike and just with the, uh, the everyday work you do? Absolutely. Um, we've got an amazing board, by the way. I actually, um, I could not and would not do this job without the board that I have. The support that they, they give me and give the organization is incredible. Um, and they help really bridge those relationships with the community and build those relationships with the community. And so for our events, um, one thing that's really important for people to know, people think Red Cross and they think, you know, big national largest humanitarian organization in the world. What, and we're mandated, we're mandated by Congress to do what we do. 
but it's like so many other mandates. It's an unfunded mandate. And so we don't get funds. The only funds we get from the government are pass-through funds, and that's for our service to armed forces. They do help us bring our military folks home, you know, so that money passes through. Um, there's extenuating circumstances every blue moon back after Katrina, we had to actually get a loan from the government. But other than that, it is truly an organization that is run by 90% of our volunteer, I mean, of our workforce were volunteers, and all of our, fi our financial support comes from individuals. So it's truly the generosity of the American people that support us. It's neighbors helping neighbors. It's businesses that help support us. Um, we can't do without our business partners because them, they are the ones that, that are our presenting sponsors for our events. And the only reason we have events, um, it used to be the only reason we had events was to fundraise. Um, I will tell you now, because of Canteens and Camo and our hurricane run, um, they're fun, they're friend raising too, because they're a lot of fun. And you know, as you said, you, you've been to, especially Canteens and Camo, it's, it's a fun um, event, but it's an important event because it, it raises awareness to what the Red Cross does in our community and, and the um, vital services that we provide. But so many of our um, business partners here in, the Big Bend area step up and support us financially, um, but they also support us with their employees. You know, they they help with our home fire campaign, which is the campaign where we go in and do some um, installs, free smoke alarm installs. Um, they help with the canvassing. Um, I'm hoping that we we have some that step up and help with this blood drive that's coming up. You know, because all of these things take manpower and they take dollar power, and um, and we need support in both of those. And so um, both of those are critical. Um, as I said, the um, canteens and camo, we, we actually moved it this last year. It was in January. Typically, we have it in March or April. So um, that was another one of those God things that I was just like, thank you. Because had we had, had we still had it in March or April, we would have had to cancel it. And so thankfully, we had it in January. And it was, it was a fab, one of our most successful events ever. And then the run, we were fortunate that we were able to transition that to a virtual run. That's cool. You know, um, you, you talked about, you know, volunteerism and just being a very volunteer-driven organization, which I think is wonderful. Um, you know, for businesses maybe that are trying to find ways that they can give back to their community, uh, you know, the Red Cross is obviously a great way to do that. But where, where can folks who are interested in maybe having their business participate in the work that you do, where can they find out more about um, um how they can do that. They can call me. <laughs> That's perfect. They can call me. They can email me. Um, yeah, we're, we're happy to work with anybody. Um, my email is just Sharon.Tyler at redcross.org. So it's real easy. Right. Um, but we're always looking for partners. And right now, since so much has gone to the virtual world, um, it's really made it easier for people to volunteer with us. People that have full-time jobs that typically couldn't couldn't take off and, and come give an hour or two um, because this hour or two a week really makes a difference to us. So we've got lots of virtual opportunities. Um, the, the one plus for me um, from the working from home stuff is I've been able to attend so many more meetings <laughs> because of the Zoom and because of the, you know, the virtual thing. You, you take out the drive time, you, you take out um, you take out a lot of the, this time and you can say, okay, I can commit this 30 minutes or I can commit this hour. So it's the same thing with the volunteering. You know, if, if people want to volunteer with us then, and they don't necessarily have to call me, then go to redcross.org and type in their um, 
zip code and it's going to pull up our chapter and it's going to show you all the volunteer opportunities. But for businesses, we do actually um, like to work with them more individually and create some opportunities for them. Um, we're happy to, to talk about future blood drives at businesses. That's a huge way that businesses can support us. Um, once we're able to start the home fire campaign, that's a huge partnership um, that we welcome because you know that's that's a game changer. So many of the things that Red Cross does, if not all of them, are, are have the capacity to be life-saving. And our, our blood drives are that, our um, home fire campaign are that. Um, last year in, the, um, in 2019, we had seven deaths in the Big Bend area. And um, the most uh, of any time that I've been involved with Red Cross. And um, all seven of those deaths, uh, were re none of them had working smoke alarms in their home. And so it's just, it's something I feel very passionate about that there's just, there's no reason to, to not do that, especially when they're free. Um, it is a challenge right now and we're trying to figure out how can we continue the program, but not, but do it, not do it hands-on like we do. Um, the reason we do it is it's for it's it's tenfold actually because when we do the home fire camp when we install a smoke alarm we put them in with their the ten year lithium batteries we work we sit down and work with the family and walk through their home fire escape plan um, I like to put people on the spot and ask people especially people with young children <laughs> if they have a home fire safety plan and have you practiced it. Do your children know where they're supposed to meet you if your home were to catch on fire and y'all had to all get out really quick? If it's at night, do they know what to do? Um, having, a, having and, I, and I can say this now because mine are grown, but I can confess as well, um, I didn't have that. And I look back and, I, and it's only by the grace of God that I didn't need that. But it's, it's really critical that, that people stop and think about their home fire safety plan and, and what to do because home fires don't discriminate. It, it could be, you know, a $25,000 home or a $25 million home. It doesn't matter if it, fires happen. And the other thing we do, so with that, we capture all of that information and it's put in a database. And so even if you move in 10 years, we know that that home needs new, new smoke alarms. And so it's a perpetual program that'll go on. We started it five years ago. So in five years, we will start redoing all of the revisiting those addresses and knowing that those that those homes most likely now some people might have changed them or updated them but most likely will need a new working smoke alarm so those are those are areas that businesses can can truly partner with us and, and make a big difference in our community well i think and one of the things you, you all do so well <clears throat> to that point again i'm father of a young daughter um there's always things you're not thinking about right and uh, to your point, you know, disaster uh, does not discriminate. It, 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 it hits everybody. And often when you least expect it, can, and I think what, one of the things you all do so well is just reiterating that need for people to plan and, uh, and think ahead. And then also doing measures like blood drives and things uh, that, uh, that really just drive, um, uh, you know, the, the need for people to be thinking uh, of what might happen because they do, they do occur. Um, and, for that hard work that you all do. We appreciate you. Um, Sharon, tell us a little bit about your team, just size of, of, of the, the squad you all have uh, with the Red Cross here. And, uh, and is there anything you wish people knew about the Red Cross that, that, that maybe they don't? So we have 12 count, we cover 12 counties. We have the Big Bend footprint. Um, and then we go a little bit further east. So we've got the Hamilton, Swanee, Columbia, 
Lafayette counties um, to our east. We have a ginormous staff of five and a half <laughs> that cover all that. Um, and our, our half is our business operations. The rest are, we've got two disaster um, program managers that kind of split up the, the six, I mean, the 12 counties each have six. And then we have a fundraiser and a volunteer um, services specialist. And then me that kind of does a little bit of all of it. And um, we've got a workforce, volunteer workforce of about 300, 300 to 350. Um, COVID has, has put a little bit of a challenge there because so many of our workforce are retired and are um, my age and above. And so um, not all of them are wanting or willing, you know, to put themselves at risk. Some of them might have some underlying health issues that in a normal situation, it wouldn't, wouldn't phase them. But with the COVID situation, it, that's kind of, um, they backed off a little bit and said they're, they're comfortable doing virtual work. But if we have to open up shelters, um, they're, they're not as comfortable working in shelters. So we are really gonna be um, asking our local volunteers or local community to consider volunteering with us. Um, and if, especially if you're young, healthy, middle-aged, you just as long as you're healthy, <laughs> we don't care how old you are, um, consider working with us and uh, if we have to shelter this year. Our shelter, um, we're gonna have virtual shelter training. And um, again, the sheltering hopefully is gonna look real different. Um, I think I told you um, that we had after the Easter hurricane, I mean, Easter tornadoes, we had over 1600 in shelters and they were non-congregate shelters, which means they were hotels, which means we had about a thousand hotels. Um, that looks a lot different um, than our congregate sheltering. And so it takes, that technically takes a, a few less volunteers because you have like one mass place where they register and then they go their their ways what it does help i mean increase though is a lot more of our mental mental health volunteers and our health services volunteers um that so we, we just need volunteers i would encourage people to, to come volunteer one thing though that if i had to what i want people to know um especially through this COVID thing is this the um and i think about this in the sheltering thing the the advantage of the congregate sheltering is you're all there together you know so there's bonding that goes on i've worked many a shelter um katrina probably was my longest sheltering experience and i was over shelters for um about a month and a half straight but um but the bonding that goes on and the knowing that you're there together and, and you're gonna work it out together um is important in that situation we we're not, we're not going to have that this time um, we don't and the, the ones that were sheltered for the um, tornadoes, they were all spread out. And so there's, there's a lot of isolation that has come with this COVID. And um, I think it's really important for us to take stock of, of our, all of our psychological um, status. Um, we have a first aid class, it's called psychological first aid. And um, normally there's a charge for it, but it's free now. And um, you can go to redcross.org to find it. And I really encourage people, um, take that class and talk to people. Um, it's, it's real easily, easy to get isolated and to, and to feel alone in this. And, and I think that as time goes on, I mean, I see things opening up and I had my first actual business meeting outside the house today. And I was, I was so excited to feel, you know, what a treat to get to go have brunch with somebody and, and actually talk business. But, um, I think there's so many people that are still not doing that and are staying at home. And so I, I really want to encourage people to, to reach out and talk to people and, and to take stock of where they are mentally and to, and to hang on to that hope that, that, um, 
that I like I said I think we're we're famous for you know giving hope and help and um, even though we can't physically hug each other you know give those hugs across the phone you know call and check on people or give them um, get on zoom calls get on the teams Facebook has got the new whatever kind of rooms are called Facebook rooms I'm not I haven't been to one yet but I've heard about them but I do think it's, you know, everybody says we're stronger together. And I, I think that's really, it, it's so true, but um, it's only as true as we actually get together. So I think it's important that, um, that people reach out and, and, and don't let themselves be isolated and, and take it upon yourself to call your neighbors, to check on your neighbors, to check on your friends um, and, and make sure that they're okay, especially your senior neighbors, because some of them I think are afraid to get out, you know, they, they feel more vulnerable. So if, if you've got a senior volunteer, I mean, a senior neighbor, especially going into hurricane season, see if you can, can help them with their supply list, help them with their, um, you know, go to the grocery store for them. I mean, all the things of just being kind to each other and, and being neighborly. I think that's very well said. And <clears throat> Sharon, I know you've got a lot going on, like you were saying, uh, a very big territory, uh, not enough hours in the day, but uh, I sure do appreciate you taking a little bit of time to talk with us about uh, the Red Cross and all the great work you all do and, and, and the wonderful volunteers who help support your, um, your mission. Um, thanks for being a great integral part of our community. And uh, we all know that when uh, uh, tough times come uh, knocking on our door, we've got good folks like you and the Red Cross to help us all out. So thanks for all you do. and Thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you, Jay. I appreciate that. You got it. And folks, um, if you want to learn more about uh, the Capital Area Red Cross and the great work that Sharon and her team do, we'll have all their information listed in the show notes uh, so you can follow along and learn how your organization or you alone as an individual can support the work that they do. And as Sharon was saying, be prepared, be ready. Uh, a disaster will strike uh, when you least expect it. And uh, fortunately, we do have folks like them here in our community to help. Uh, again, we appreciate Sharon coming on the show. And as always, uh, we encourage you to subscribe to the Tallahassee Business Podcast on any of your favorite listening devices. Uh, if you get the chance, we would appreciate a review and a share with any of your friends. And uh, as always, you can go and follow along with this episode and any other of our previous episodes, along with all kinds of wonderful business intelligence available to our members and the entire Tallahassee business community at our website, which is www.talchamber.com. That's T-A-L chamber.com. Thanks for listening. We'll look forward to talking with you again real soon.